This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Welcome to the official second episode of Good Things Jackpot for 2021. I cannot believe we're already in it. It's nearly March. I don't know what's going on. And businesses are trying to stay afloat in this really traumatic time that the world has been going through. I think um, by the time you guys have listened to this, we would have been well over 330 days in this lockdown in South Africa. And as much as we're dealing with the trauma of this virus and what it is doing to our livelihoods, to the people we love, to our normalcy, the things that we were all used to, I think they're calling it the new normal now, which I hate. These unprecedented times have also done many things to our businesses. And for those that are in business, whether you are working for a corporation or you might own your own businesses, the general rule in the last couple of decades has been to make as much profits as possible. Make as much profits as possible so that you can put money away and the business can survive. But something is changing in society. And I think through this lockdown and this last year that we've had, more now than ever, people have started to realize that as businesses, we also have a responsibility to deliver purpose within our societies. And someone who has studied this idea and who has done great things during lockdown to create the narrative around purpose or profit is Mike Middleton, the founder and CEO of Marty McFly, which is a future consultancy that I have no idea what it does, but it does have the name from Back to the Future. And Andrew Ross, the CEO of Chaos Theory, a marketing sponsorship and advertising agency. I've invited them both to join me today on this Good Things Jackpot to speak about where do we stand? Is it purpose or profit? Where is business going in the future, in this new normal? And how we can maybe do things better than we did it before. Mike, Andrew, welcome to the show. It's great to have you both here. Hello, Brent. Uh, it's good to be here. And thanks for inviting me along. Hi, Brent. Thank you very much. Yeah, good to chat. Mike, I, I mean, I introduced you. Marty McFly, what a crazy name. What is it? Well, Marty McFly is a futures consultancy. And essentially what we specialize in is de- developing disruptive strategies and the supporting innovation, activation, and other activities to to deliver those strategies. And what we use is futures thinking to develop those strategies. Now, futures thinking is really about studying change, and it's about understanding forces of change and how they're impacting us today, and how potentially we can use them as a force for good to drive growth within organizations and society into the future. So that's essentially um, what we do as a consultancy. You're taking it back to the future, literally. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that I invited you onto the show today is because I was invited to one of your webinars at, at sort of the beginning of lockdown, where you were speaking about something that I hadn't really spent much thought on, but preparing for it, coming onto the show, being part of it, I realized that business is changing and people are perhaps not only working just on a profit model they're starting to see the bigger picture of purpose and your series i think was called purpose or profits just before we get into what exactly that was 
I'd love to understand where this passion came from or where you decided to start looking into businesses and whether purpose or profit was really what they are about. Yeah, thanks, Brent. So I spent many years working in corporations and I was subject to some hostile takeovers and mergers and acquisitions that were driven through shareholders, essentially. So through financial companies that essentially got a seat seats in the leadership team of big corporations. And they made decisions for those corporations that weren't necessarily right for the employees and weren't necessarily right for consumers or customers, but were absolutely right for shareholders. And it was quite interesting because I got exposed to quite a sort of quite a gruesome side of business, I suppose, where decisions were made that weren't necessarily right for society, right for people, but they were right for financial maximization. And it was quite interesting for me just to see how when you take the heart out of business decisions and you focus on money alone, how it doesn't necessarily drive the best behaviors in society. So when I started researching it, I, I sort of realized that, you know, if you go back 200 years, the founder of capitalism was Adam Smith. He said that the primary role of business is to make customers happy. And as a result, you must make the best products to, to keep your customers happy. And that, that, that mantra ran for a very long time. And then Milton Friedman in 1970 wrote an article for the New York Times when he managed to convince the business world and, and the political world that the primary role of business in society is to maximize shareholder return. And that sets off a chain of events that we've been feeling and exposed to for the last 50 years, which has really driven a lot of the troubles, I suppose, we've got in society today. So what happened until this article from 1948 to 1973, real wages had increased by almost 100% over that time, standard of living increased significantly. And then once business became about shareholder primacy alone, over the next year, between 1973 and 2011, real wages only went up by 9%. And in order to fund increases in standard of living, consumers started borrowing money. So from in, in 1970, where there was virtually no debt, there was more than a trillion debt 50 years later. And that's in dollars and, and America, but the same applies for across the rest of the world. The increase in, in the divide between rich and poor increased significantly. Just looking at uh, CEOs on their own, in about 1970, there was the average worker was paid about 130th of a CEO. And today that's closer to 300. So a, average, a CEO is getting paid about 300 times more than the worker. So really what I started seeing was that the shift to shareholder primacy wasn't really great for our planet and it wasn't great for people, but it was great for shareholders. That's when the great divide between the haves and the haves nots started happening at about 1970 is when when all of it changed because people were just focusing on those profits and keeping shareholders happy instead of the essence of what business is. Well, and, and that's exactly it, yeah. So there was actually a quote, there's a book called Moral Capitalism by Stephen Polstein, and he made a quote saying that the sanctification of selfishness and self-interest and greed has been bad for our economy, bad for our politics, and bad for our souls. And he says that the imbalance between greed and altruism manifests itself daily in dysfunctional politics, a badly skewed economy, and a frayed social fabric. And I think that is a lot of that is what we're feeling at the moment. If you think about how it's been highlighted during COVID, the divide between rich and poor, dysfunctional politics, especially, um, you know, and an afraid social fabric of society. You can see how this is all just coming to the fore and, and manifesting itself in every aspect of our life. I mean, I sit on the other side. So with COVID-19 and during the lockdown, I have been at the forefront of poverty because we work with a lot of charities, a lot of organizations that are trying to help the vulnerable 
and the needy. And what I realized quite quickly at the start of lockdown is that, I mean, I, I used to hear about how we needed three months savings just in case something goes wrong. We're already a year into this. And if you lost your job or if something happened to you in the 1st of March, 2020, I can tell you now that you did not have the cushion, majority of people in South Africa and most probably the globe did not have the cushioning to look after themselves during this time. So you speaking about the fact that you can see the difference between or the divide, the rich, I mean, everybody might be feeling the crunch, but the difference is not eating and maybe not ordering the lobster. Yeah, but this is, this, if I can just pop in here, sorry, this is a, it's interesting because this is not just a big business issue either, Brent. I was actually uh, working on a, a webinar for um, a company today. And one of the stats that came out of, out of the, the dialogue is that over 78% of SMMEs didn't have more than one month's working capital, never mind three. So, you know, working with an unexpected disruption to your business, like, uh, you know, a small global pandemic. This is not just a big business issue. Yeah. And I want to build on that as well. You know, one of the interesting facts coming out of COVID was that um, a lot of the people that I know that, are, that run their own businesses are in SMEs and, and, and the like really went out of their way to try and find ways to keep food on their employees' tables. And, and that was their number one priority. Now, it was quite fascinating to watch a lot of big corporations where their number one driver was how do we protect the, Brotstrom, the, the profit line? And the consequence is that a lot of people working in corporations and blue chip corporations lost their jobs over COVID or during the COVID um, months um, and are continuing to lose them now because those corporations aren't delivering the same revenue that they were because of the state of the, the world that, that is in. And as a result, their profit number wasn't as high as it normally was. In other words, they were still making profits. So I remember one reading about one South African company that said that they had to, all their staff had to take quite a big salary cut between 10 and 15% because they only delivered 400 million rand in profit, which was half of what they planned. Now it was still 400 million in profit. Whereas a lot of the SMEs that I know were just forget the profit. They were just trying to make sure that people had food on their table. As a very last resort, if they couldn't do anything else, then they'd have to lay off people. So it's quite interesting seeing that difference in, in attitude. Well, it's, it's completely extreme to, to think that during a global pandemic and this bizarre year that we've had, that you would cut your staff salaries in order to still maintain some sort of profits. But that comes down to the profit versus purpose. And during lockdown, you created this series, which was absolutely fascinating. And, and I think I was a part of the first one or the second one. But to, to listen to the insight as to what it means, profit versus purpose. What is the bigger picture there? What is profit versus purpose? Yeah, yeah, so it's it's an interesting one because you know I think that a lot of people make a mistake thinking that purpose is just a CSI or a CSR initiative. You know, it's a feel-good initiative or, or activity that companies embark on really to, to show that they're doing a good in the world, but it's not embedded into the heart of the organization. You know, what a purpose is, it's a driving force that is the, the guiding star for all behavior and activities in that organization. It's not a plug on, but it's actually the reason that they exist in the world. And this is beyond, this purpose is not just about shareholder privacy, but it's about the impact that they're having on, on people, on the planet, and on profits or shareholder return. And I think that that's what a lot of businesses think. They think that, you know, they think that it's a choice, this purpose or profit, but actually the world that we're moving into, it's purpose 
and profit, because we have to consider the impact of our decisions today on the impact that's going to have on the world and the people that live in it and shareholders tomorrow. So consumers are already requesting it and starting to speak with their wallets and governments are starting to impose legislation in this respect as well, saying that companies have to be held responsible for their impact on the world and the people in it and not just shareholders. What's interesting there, Mike, is that, and what's an interesting parallel is that what we tend to forget, especially as marketers or working in the marketing space a lot, maybe closer than others, is that as much as our job is to build brands in whatever way, shape or form we've done it over the years, consumers don't care. There's some great research from half us up in Europe, and they do they they produce a report every year called Meaningful Brands, and um, 74% of consumers wouldn't care if a brand disappeared out of their lives. So mm-hmm. that then comes down to the point that what well, what is the core of the business? If it's you know widgets or whatever, that's one thing. But consumers want to believe in something that a company has to offer. They don't care about the brand. In fact, they've got to the point they don't believe the brand anymore if it's coming from marketing, simply because there's so much you know, noise out there. Um, I think it's about 74% of millennials believe that brands are, I don't want to say unethical, but brands are uh, manipulative in the way that they tell their stories. So, you know, you have to have something to lay your hat on if you're really going to build a business in a day and age like this. In fact, I would argue more so than ever, companies with purpose right now are outshining companies without. So I think that there's, there's a big distrust of big companies and, and big, or big corporates and, and big brands and their genuine intent. And I think that a lot of consumers have cottoned on to the fact that at the end of the day, is all they're interested in is, is money and profit. So they're starting to hold brands and companies and organizations accountable and are putting their money where their mouth is. So I think you're absolutely right. And I don't think brand that solves any favors. You know, if you look at the level of distrust in some of the big social media giants, if you look at some of the... South African retailers who time and time again get caught out. We actually had a friend who developed a product line, uh, which she originally wanted to retail, did a relatively okay job of getting it into the marketplace. As she started to gain momentum, she got called up by one of the big retailers I won't mention. And um, she actually physically refused to go and see them because as much as it could help build her business, she didn't trust them enough not to steal her idea based on their track record, not based on assumptions. But I think this is the point is that big business tends to be one of two things. It tends to be ruthlessly, brutally commercial to the point of risking reputational damage. I mean, it was a Frankie's soda incident as well, or they genuinely live the purpose. And I think, I think it's really interesting to see the difference and the parallels between how businesses in the same center will conduct themselves. Completely. I'd love to get an example of a business that hasn't pivoted, I, I mean, pivoted is a, such a 2020 word, but has maybe evolved during COVID-19 from a profit-led position to something that is a mixture between purpose, profits, and people. Do you have an example like that where, where we could look at a business and go, oh, I get it? So I don't have any examples. I mean, I think that there's so many businesses that I suppose during COVID were, you know, just trying to themselves of I don't know any that did actually pivot between purpose and profits uh, but I think the important thing is that more than anything else it's on consumers tongues and they're talking about it a lot I, I think that what I'm seeing in big business at the moment is still this resistance to the word purpose because they see it as a brand thing and they see it they see it as some form of CSR program or dishonest marketing rather than seeing it as, as the, the lifeblood and heart of an organization an organization by the way that's doing it exceptionally well is Patagonia the clothing food the American clothing brand 
I use them as examples just purely because their whole purpose is about protecting the planets and the environment that we live in. And the consequence of that is that it drives every decision in that organization. They will develop blueprints for clothing and materials that are good for the environment. And then they will, they will allow their competitors to use those blueprints free of charge just because they know it's the right thing to do for the planet. They also have programs that where you can return your secondhand clothing um, that can be recycled or redistributed and so on. You know, So they've got a partnership with eBay also for the resale of their clothing and so on. So everything they do in that organization is all about following their purpose. Now, at the end of the day, that builds incredible consumer and customer loyalty, which is what gives them their profit growth and their revenue growth that they want ultimately. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a classic case of, of having a strong purpose and delivering profits and being good for the planet at the same time. I mean, Brent, another Patagonian example, I know shoes that you wear, which are Tom's. Where, I was, um, I'm actually going to talk about them right now, but you uh, go ahead. They are by far one of my best brand of shoe, and I don't mind paying the price for them because they're quite expensive. But if you had to open my cupboard now, you would see so many pairs of Toms that you would think you were walking into a retail store. But it's because mm-hmm. of the way that they give back, and it's because of how their business is built that, that I don't mind that I'm buying an expensive shoe because I know that by doing that, I'm supporting a really good cause, again, for the environment and the people. And for those people that don't know, for every pair of shoes that you buy from Tom's, they give a pair of shoes to somebody in need. And that's, that's exactly how they've built that business. And it's, uh, it's booming around the world. I'll give you an example from, I don't want to mention names, but I'll give you an example from my side of how I think South African businesses that have got a purpose-led strategy are different to those that don't. And I wanted to say something else, Mike. I don't know if you agree with the statement, but if you can market it, it's probably not purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, a, that's a, a fair point as well, because you know, the minute you, you know, it should be so part of your values, so part of your reason for being, that it should just be intrinsic in what you do. You shouldn't be having to shout from the ceiling yeah. because it just, yeah, people should know it. Brent, I'll give you an example. So I'm a small business. I'm now a smaller business than I was a year ago, but I'm still a small business. And uh, one of our one of our large international blue chip clients, the moment that uh, COVID hit, the only communication we got from them was a reminder to uh, that we were about to be subjected to a a global eco assessment to help them meet their carbon emissions and their uh, sustainable business charter that we had to pay. 600 euros for. That was the only communication we got at the start of COVID from that particular global multinational. There's a so business that we- putting the responsibility on you. So they wanted yeah. to be seen to be look, looking good, but they were making yeah. you pay for it. <laughs> and that was, in the, that was at the start of a global lockdown. Mm. In, in comparison, a local business, a biggish business, but by no means a, you know international, global, multinational heavy hitter, who uh, we do work with within about 10 days of the first sort of inklings of this lockdown coming. We got a phone call from them going, hi, we're from procurement. We just want to let you know you've been flagged as an SMME enterprise on our books. Are you? Yes. Tick the box. Just to note that we've changed our payment terms for all SMME suppliers with immediate effect from 30 days from statement to 75% deposit up front, balance seven days after delivery. Please make sure you get the invoices to us on time. That's incredible. That to me is the difference between a purposeful business that still has bottom line objectives to meet because internationally, the multinational has got a very strong purpose footprint. I'm not knocking it, but they still have shareholders. They've still got stock exchanges. They've still got boards and excos and everything to meet versus a smaller, more agile business. Now, what I wanted to bring that to 
Brett, was your point about pivoting. And I, I don't know if you can pivot to purpose, but you can certainly use purpose to pivot yeah. processes and plans. I was going to bring in also sort of in the middle of lockdown, there was a South African initiative that was calling on big corporates, massive corporates in, in the country to change their payment terms. So what has happened, especially for small business owners, is that sometimes you'll do a project or you'll supply something to a big corporate, whether that's through agency or direct, and you land up in this bureaucracy where you could wait for your invoice to be paid. I mean, I've heard horror stories where small companies have worked for massive brands and then only been paid 280 days later, which is really difficult for a small business. But this initiative that was started was a promise, a pledge to small and medium businesses that these these big corporates would pay within 30 days. And I think that's, that's leading to purpose and helping uh, communities and small business build during a time that I'm sure cash was very tight. And it was just a leg up during this, this really, really hard lockdown. That moves me to my next point. So COVID-19 hit. The world is changing rapidly. Business is changing rapidly. The way that we look at business in the last 300 odd days has really been crazy. And we're now facing this new world. What does that mean for business? Yeah, this, and this is a very good question. So, you know, it's quite interesting. I think the business is trying to figure it out. Uh, as a starting point, I've chatted to a lot, of, uh, a lot of people at the moment that have said that the start of this year has been very good for them. And they've got more work coming in and, and they're feeling quite positive about things. I think that's because we were so much more prepared for what this year was going to be about than last year. Last year, we were suddenly, the virus hit, we went into lockdown company sales were down and everything just marketing budgets were cut everything was just cut so nobody was prepared for anything whereas I think going into this year we were prepared for the situation and the life that we found ourselves in and companies have planned accordingly so I think that that's a good thing because there seems to be a bit of spark there um, which is great the second thing is you know it's quite interesting because um, it is a period and this is you know obviously what I do with Marty McLeod is a period of rapid change and it's forces of change from every aspect of society we've had technologies affected the way that we work you know staying at home working more from home and from the office and you've got all these forces of change that are fundamentally affecting the future but companies and brands don't know how to navigate through it because they don't know what the new future is going to going to look like so i think right at the moment we're in this situation where everybody's trying to work out how to navigate through this change and use change as a way of, of driving growth going forward. What I do find quite positive, and this is, I, I, was, I was on calls with a couple of guys in international markets yesterday, and they were they're already talking about, you know, a resurgence of the, the swinging 20s, because as the vaccine is being rolled out, people are starting to see light at the end of the tunnel and life not returning to normal, but um, whatever our new normal happens to be. And sort of the with the pandemic being behind us. And that is creating a renewed sense of purpose and energy. And there's a lot of talk about the fact that we could be going into a period of, of immense growth and excitement because we've got a renewed energy and we sort of have this awakening that you know, it's up to us to make things happen. And I'm a big believer in when sentiment is positive, you're much more inclined to achieve things than when sentiment's negative. So I think it's a good thing that it, sentiment is positive at the moment, you know, particularly in these developed markets, just as they get the vaccine and as they see light in the tunnel, because I think sentiment is what could really drive energy within the business world and renewed focus. And hopefully it will be good from a growth perspective. That makes me really excited. I, again, in the position that I work in, yes, I get to report 
on the good news that happens every day in our country. But I also get faced with a lot of hardships and I see a lot of people that are battling and there's a lot of small businesses that are shouting from the rooftops that they're battling and they, they're not making it through this. Actually, what we've done, so quite interesting, Good Things Guy has a charity element. I, I can't call it a charity element, but we have advertising space that we open up every month to a different charity. And we've been doing it for so many years. We just open it up and, and we've got a list of charities and every month that changes. And we just try and promote them, give them free articles, really push that brand out there for that month, that organization, that charity. And what I decided to do in the middle of February is to not concentrate on one charity, but to concentrate on South Africa. And we've now changed that for the next foreseeable future to support local. Plain and simple, going to a restaurant, support local. Want to help someone out, support local. Whatever you can do, support the people around you so that they can get through this. And what you've just said excites me because that means when the vaccines roll out, when all of these good things come and we start to move forward in society, a positive sentiment will uplift the entire community and everybody with it. And that's, that's always something that I believe is we rise by lifting each other. So that's exactly what you're saying. The, the positivity is going to help us all rise together. That's exactly what I, and I really do believe as I said, in the power of positive sentiment, because it's amazing when you, when the energy is there and the belief is there that you can turn things around and achieve greatness, you are much more likely to achieve it than when you think that you are in the doldrums and nothing is possible. So I find it very encouraging that as we start seeing these sparks of light at the end of the tunnel, that um, it, is make, it is creating this feeling of, you know, the future could be bright. And that if we do, and if, if, we, if this analogy of the swinging 20s from 100 years ago after the Spanish flu is correct, then hopefully we are in for a couple of good years. And hopefully we'll not have a depression at the end of the decade, but hopefully we are in, in for a couple of good years where the sentiment will be able to ride this, this positive sentiment that exists. Andrew Ross, last thoughts before we close up. I can see that on the Zoom counter, it is counting us down. How do you feel about the future? I think the future is going to be exactly what we decide to make of it. I don't think there's ever been a better time to rewrite your own plans. And I don't think that something as disruptive as a pandemic is necessarily a bad thing to shake the tree and get out of comfort zones and re-strategize where you want to be. And I said it before and I'll say it again. Um, I think the businesses that are building themselves on purpose are definitely the ones right now more than ever that are going to find the firm footing. And yours is one example of that. You know, good things guy and the platform you built and your, your listeners and your viewers and all your social media reach probably would not have succeeded if you written the business plan and tried to run it financially. It works because the integrity is so ingrained in it to do the right thing first. I think that's really exciting for the future. Thank you. That's very kind of you, Mr. Ross. Mike, if people want to follow you and uh, the future business that you're, that you're working on and the ideas, where do they go? What do they do? How do they get hold of you? Yeah, so they can get hold of me. It's Mike at smarty-mcfly.com. Or else, look me up on, on LinkedIn under Mike Middleton. Those are probably the easiest ways uh, to get hold of me. Uh, yeah, it'll be great to chat to anybody or any organization that is really looking at how they're going to navigate their way through this period of change and develop strategies that will enable them to win in the future. So yeah, then let's just give me a shout. Andrew Ross, if anybody needs help with marketing sponsorship or events or ad advertising or all these great things that you do, how do they get hold of you? Easiest way is email andrew at chaostheory.co.za 
or I'm on LinkedIn, the same as Mike. Just look up Andrew Ross or um, check out the website, chaostheory.ca.za. That's it, guys. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited. You've left me on a really good footing. The power of positivity is going to push our business forward, but even more so the lessons that we've learned through COVID-19 might perhaps make us relook at our businesses and how profit, purpose, and people can all work together to really just do good things for South Africa and the world. I want to thank you for joining me today. I want to wish you guys only good things and remind you to be kinder to each other always. I'm Brent Lindeke, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy, and you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate, or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM, or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks, and only good things.